0: Welcome to WNHHFM's FM's 103.5 Just in Time Conversations. I'm your host, Justin Farmer, inviting you to be in community with us in conversations about ideas with people who matter or making a difference. Today, our guest is Nate Blair, entrepreneur, New Haven man. Thank you, Nate. Uh, Thank you for coming into the studio today.
1: Thanks for having me, Justin. Uh, Always a pleasure to talk to you.
0: So you, I have known you for a long time as one of the faces of New Haven. And so uh, I wanted to have you on. And so I just, you know, what do you love about New Haven? What makes like.
1: I mean, um, like. I'm from New Haven, so uh, there's a level of of love that, you know, it's just uh, there is a base level uh growing up here you know uh i i rep new haven uh but i would say like the thing i've come to appreciate like in a deep level of love Mm -hmm. uh in terms of new haven uh is the people here and like the fact that it is actually a diverse space um it might be a bit segregated but if you can cross over there are a lot of people who are like really ambitious in Mm. really like wholesome ways, you know, really trying to find like their place in the world. And in that sense, I think like new Haven has this underlying love and like new England's kind of like a tough cookie just in general, (laughs) you know, like, uh, I feel
0: shout out to (laughs) you (laughs) from,
1: uh, just being new Haven being, uh, a part of New England, a part of the tri-state. I feel like everybody uh, has to like hustle, but I feel like uh, truly underneath it all, uh, in New Haven, people care about each other and uh, want to be better and do better.
0: You know, I, I I joke as I'm getting older. I'm just like, man, I really love this. Like I really love, you know, Greater New Haven, this area, right? We're in between Boston, in between New York, DC, six hours away, Philly's four hours away. Um, in our own backyard, right? Like you go to Woodbridge, hit up that like Waterfall Creek, right? And go like an hour out to like Washington, Connecticut. Like you got all these woods, right? Um, you know, you go down to. Bridgeport and it's just like Seaside Park. Right. Um and so you have everything, right? Like everything is here. In Connecticut. In Connecticut. Yeah. But like also growing up being here, it's like, man, I'm trying to get out of Connecticut. I'm like, man, this is like this is a spot to raise a family. This is like
1: Well, so yeah, that (laughs) that is a kind of funny aspect maybe of the ambition. Uh I feel like uh in that respect, New Haven, but a lot of I feel like coastal Connecticut. Uh, it's like an incubator in and of itself, you know, mm-hmm. like everyone's looking to be ha- like, get their stuff together here as the launch pad, mm-hmm. you know, Uh it's funny, for example, when you think about bands or famous people, they're never from Connecticut, even if they are, That's- it's always, <laughs> it's always from New York or from Boston or went to this school or like, you know, like some, some weighty point outside of Connecticut, because, yeah, uh mm-hmm. I feel as though a lot of people treat Connecticut as their incubation space. And then as like actualized people, they step out into the world, you know? Um, and uh, I, I think that's kind of a problem too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, I, I've always joked that like the amount of things that low key happen here in Connecticut specifically in like the new, he like, I was like, yeah, I'm a proud socialist. Like and someone's making a joke, like, oh, like you guys are probably the most famous socialists that have ever been in Hamden. It's like Cornell West, Loki lived in Hamden for like seven years. I'm like, what?
1: Yeah. <laughs> or it's like, uh yeah, the Black Panther Party was just alive in Bridgeport. <laughs> you know, like one of the strongest organizing places for the Black Panther Party. And it's just like the Panther what?
0: trials here on the New Haven Green, right?
1: Um, right, but like I feel when people bring that up, they a uh, almost a point is missed that that was the whole state coming together. Mm-hmm. Like that wasn't just the Black Panther Party in New Haven. Yeah, like was, everyone came down, that, and that it's a demonstration of yeah, just how organized as a state we were at a certain point.
0: So I, I think you know, grew up here, right, transplanted to Hamden um early 2000 um and so Newhallville Newhall all the same to me um but New Haven I grew up with right with the mall downtown with the horse uh the equestrian police right the trolleys <laughs> is much different than New Haven today and so how has New Haven changed for you well
1: i mean uh I mean I I mean so uh, I'm 31 uh and uh being the age that I am I feel like I've seen New Haven go through a lot of changes but I imagine just about anybody uh who's lived in New Haven could say the same thing if they'd lived here by the age of 31 like at any point in time New Haven has been uh at least architecturally it's been radically changing for a long time mm. um but yeah uh in terms of like so uh, i grew up on mansfield street um and so mansfield street like was sort of a, a middle ground it wasn't like exactly in a neighborhood when i was growing up but uh that being the case the neighborhood that i grew up in in the you know, so like mid to late nineties was sort of coming together to uh as a community kind of to fight violence in the neighborhood, you know, like looking out for everybody. Um and there was uh a community garden that was founded. Uh for the farmers. Yeah, (laughs) yeah In the adjoin in some like adjoining backyards. Uh, as a kid, I therefore like played with all the other kids in the neighborhood in that back in the community garden. Um And it was a real good time until uh, Yale bought uh maybe like 30 properties um on the side of the street that I uh, lived on.
0: Is that ocean? No,
1: no, no. no. <laughs> uh,
0: but, Feels that way, right? Yeah,
1: but they... Uh, evicted everybody, uh, over one summer. So, like, to the degree, to the degree where, uh, the mayor's, um, at the time, uh, DeStefno's, uh, campaign manager was living in one of those buildings when they evicted everyone. And he was like, Oh, this is screwed up. I'm gonna stay in here. And they let the pipes freeze on him. Uh, while he was running a campaign. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, (laughs) uh, so yeah, he ended up moving into literally the front room of uh, our house for like six months or something like that, right after those pipes froze. And we kept uh, his, uh, he was in, I think he was in grad school or something. We kept uh, his books in our freezer because if you put wet books in the freezer um, slowly, Uh, the water will evaporate out of the books. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we kept those books in our freezer way longer than we needed to. (laughs) Uh, But this is to say that uh, uh, like when I was 10 years old, I went from living in a neighborhood with tons of friends, tons of people um, to a ghost town. Like truly, like the neighborhood had been gutted and it had been gutted uh, as a part of a deal, and uh I sort of came to under, uh, understand that in a better level when i was uh, a bit older when Steph No and uh Rick Levin were uh both retiring uh you know after their uh score at um being leaders in new Haven. um and uh yeah just uh uh the arts and ideas festival uh was like, oh, yeah, let's, you know, host these guys. They can give a talk. So I went to the talk in you know, the Yale Art Gallery Auditorium. There's tons of, you know, movers and shakers and property owners, you know, um, and uh, the questions are already predetermined and closed. And uh, there, you know, one of the questions gets floated. Can you remember um time where you guys really worked together on something? uh and then they talked about destroying my neighborhood mm. uh and uh de stefano was basically like yeah i mean uh uh yeah wanted to buy this street uh we were getting rid of these projects and we were like yeah uh, you can buy that street if you put a police precinct over there and like you know everyone's all like happy and shit they're like oh yeah yeah and like meanwhile to me yeah that was the absolute decimation of a neighborhood And this neighborhood, like, in terms of the people who lived there, in terms of the high-rises at the bottom of the hill and the people who lived there, like, when a lot of black folk moved to New Haven, uh, that's the neighborhood that they moved to because of the firearms factory. Um, And in that regard, a lot of these people came from um, down south. And we're talking about, I think, like, the... 40s to the 70s and so like yeah that might be a long time ago now but you know 25 years ago 20 you know two years ago uh we're talking about people who you know basically still had family around and they may not have grown up in north carolina but they had family in north carolina Mm -hmm. and so when people got evicted they got vouchers to move and so a lot of them didn't have anywhere to move in New Haven and they moved down south. And so like this is truly uh like a deportation almost of uh people within our own city. Um and that's where like I appreciate that everyone needs somewhere to live. Right. You know, um I appreciate that Yale grad students need somewhere to live. I truly believe that anyone should be able to live anywhere you know um but sort of when big institutions move like that when uh the whole community is just demolished it's like without any care or thought for people or their lives that's like true violence and like that is sort of yeah when people talk about gentrification there's a there's a flow of space where just things are going to change. Like uh, I can't, you know, we can't prevent that from happening. Uh, and again, if we want people to live wherever they want to live, we have to accept the fact that neighborhoods are going to change. Um, but yeah, it doesn't have to be in this wholesale way or this sort of institutionally planned uh, way in the way that it just historically has.
0: Not bad. True for y'all who are just joining us, you are listening to Just in Time Conversations, WNHH FM one hundred three point five. Your host, me, Justin Farmer, and uh, our esteemed guest Nate Blair. Um, I, I want to switch a little bit directions in the mm-hmm. sense of, you know, we talked about a particular neighborhood, historically black neighborhood, um, but like in your time traveling Mm -hmm. in new haven right um what is your favorite or what are some favorite elements uh, of different neighborhoods of new haven
1: um i mean it's funny like new haven actually isn't that big but it's (laughs) weird how many like pockets there are to new haven um and so i would say these days like like i didn't know fair haven existed until i was 16 Uh Like, (laughs) like my ignorance was deep in terms of, uh, yeah, neighborhoods. Um, and so, uh, my partner moved to Fairhaven recently and I've been, uh, spending a fair amount of time in Fairhaven and it's truly beautiful, uh, really beautiful. Also, um, there's a lot of like, like just old industrial buildings there that make me think of, the opportunity that new haven could have if it uh focused less on catering towards yale and a little more on some true uh infrastructure that could have like real jobs for new haven people that isn't solely dependent on on the yale apparatus
0: that gentrification is a platter
1: (laughs) well it's just yeah i mean uh (laughs) Would you like some such routine? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's where it's just like uh the uh yeah, Fairhaven, uh, sorry, Fairhaven, looking at Fairhaven, it's beautiful like it's beautiful. The people there uh are great, also very friendly. Um also uh you can tell that and like this is true everywhere in New Haven, uh, but I feel like because for some reason the streets are like twice as wide and like half the streets in Fairhaven, you really get to see how people take care of, like, and take pride in their space. And, yeah, some people don't, you know, but, like, you can, yeah, you can really see it when uh, you actually have some space to walk and, like, there aren't trees, like, blocking out all the light and stuff. You can see that people really, yeah, care about their neighborhood.
0: Yep, definitely place. Tons of great eateries, tons of local. Oh, my God. Shout out to Rocco's Bakery.
1: So, uh, (laughs) Fairhaven also is the neighborhood, I'm sorry, with the best food in New Haven right now. Uh uh a lot of uh downtown has fallen into disrepair when it comes to food. Fairhaven holds strong.
0: Shout out to New Hall. Shout out to my man Ricky D. <laughs>
2: oh yeah, Ricky D.
1: Shout out to Ricky D. Uh that's delicious. Highly recommend it. Um and also great people there.
2: Um
0: so I I have known you throughout the years to just be entrepreneur. Um uh, it's a grinder as hustling <laughs> has negative connotations. But um remember you like doing the coffee shop and these days I've seen you doing the uh, thrifting. And so like, you know, how did you decide to like start doing business? And like what, what advice would you give to other people who are like, I want to do some general uh-huh. words of wisdom.
1: Uh, I've worked in the service industry my whole life, Mm -hmm. um, that has gotten a little bit more recognition, I think in the last few years, but like realistically, um, what I believed my career would be, Mm -hmm. would be being a restaurant tour. And then, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I was working at Mia's things were good. Uh, then things changed. Uh, and so I really had to stop and think about uh, like what it is I'm working towards. Like, uh, do I actually want to do this? I'd been working there since I was a teenager. So like, so like, since I was 16, so so much of my identity was sort of tied into my work. Mm. Uh, like there wasn't really much of a difference between work and play. And, uh, I was like, oh man, uh, like does this mean that the thing that I'm passionate about like is like gone? Do I no longer like have a focus or have a purpose? And so like, uh, in that regard, uh, I just definitely started to take jobs where, um, I'm like, I don't want to bring work home with me. Um, like if I'm going to be working to work and not because it's what I'm passionate about and what I care about, I want to go home and like have work be done when I'm home, you know? Uh, and in doing that, it did give me and like pursuing, yeah, trying to pursue roles at jobs that didn't actually require more of me. I feel like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, there'd be a push and pull where, uh, employers would, Want maybe to take on some more, me to take on more responsibility, or show that I was able to take on more responsibility. But like, never once would they bring up compensation, and so like, I'd already been horribly burned in that regard. Like, I wasn't fool enough to take something on like that without something uh, in exchange, because it actually has a cost, and that cost uh, is stressing out about work when you 're not there, mm. and so not taking on those kind of roles and instead taking my free time and uh exploring things that i 'm interested in, and so that 's where I would go. Uh, my advice for people who are interested in starting like a small business is honestly take it at your own pace like uh the things that I am currently interested in doing business with right now, it's like two dozen. You know, like, uh, I'd love, for example, um, to do little tea ceremonies. Like, I collect tea, I enjoy teapots. I think, you know, like, uh, I think that would be really good. You know, I make hard cider. Uh, I'd love to have, uh, like to tea your an apple. Well, well, yeah. Uh, well, so these are all things that, like, I'm in no hurry to get done, you know, like, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's like I make hard cider like I would love to do Apple pressing parties. I have an Apple press, you know, uh, but I'm not personally, I'm the way in which I approach it is I'm not in a rush. Um, and it used to really stress me out that I couldn't get things done in rush Mm timetables because, Around here, everyone's you gotta deliver, you gotta deliver on time, you have to have these timetables that look really good, you know that those curves gotta go up, you know, uh, and that's where um, yeah, taking it at my pace, and like when I say that, I mean sometimes like it's really easy to get discouraged, like for example, I was working on a project um and uh, the printer that I was working on, uh, so, like, I was trying to burn a screen. So, like, I was trying to make a graphic for a T-shirt, and I needed to print that graphic first. The printer didn't work. And so, it's really easy to just, like, give up then, and then feel shame for giving up then. You know, like, so it's like, ah, oh, man, I can't do this. Walk away. And then you think about it before and you're like, oh man, am I really like committed? I'm not, because I I just walk away in small moments. And it's like, no, no, no. Like you were frustrated, take it at your own pace. If you have to return to it in a week, two weeks, three weeks over a tiny little thing, that's actually fine. Like take it at your own pace. Take it at your own pace. And so
0: what how like how did you get into thrifting with the what's the thrift
1: i mean so i've i've always loved clothes uh but uh in that sense uh honestly um when like i would say a couple like maybe like 6 months before uh covid popped uh my roommate started selling clothes online and so in them selling clothes online I was already with them. We were already going to Goodwill all the time. And I was just looking for stuff for myself. That was really cool. I was thinking about making clothes. So I was grabbing materials for making clothing and then COVID hit and it was, oh yeah, like a little before COVID, I like found some cool things. I listed them because it, it seemed cool to do at the time too, uh, (laughs) And like, you know, I was like, oh yeah, this is like Instagram, but for clothing. Oh, nice. I'm going to take some photos of what I got and sell it, you know? Uh, and so then, uh, yeah, uh, once COVID popped off, uh, I had a bit more time because again, m- my side, like most of my jobs have been related to um, the service industry. And so there really wasn't anything to do. And uh so yeah, I just, uh, started going to Goodwill more often and then selling more clothes online. And then, uh, like it just surprised me, uh, because people were buying the clothes that I was, I was selling and uh, like, I hadn't, uh, unlike, uh, anything sort of like restaurant related, um, where it's like, oh yeah, you know, I, I could I have faith that I can make a good drink and you know sell it and someone could have a good interaction like i had no faith that people were just interested in the clothes that i was interested in you know like i was like yeah we'll, we'll see what happens and you know people started buying it. and that was uh definitely uh encouraging um and yeah encouraging enough where when things opened up uh again i was able to um pop up and uh sell clothes in person and I feel like in person I'm just much more interactive and uh therefore like it's stimulating uh in a in a more yeah fulfilling way versus just like selling clothes online.
0: I I think well, you know, the fact that yesterday was Labor Day, right? Um mm-hmm. and talking about how labor should be respected, right? Like mm-hmm. they're there's a great deal of, of time and talent and anything, right? Expertise, right? Like, I don't know the best time to go to the Goodwill. I don't know, like, which one's got the, mm-hmm. you know, the the good stuff versus like, oh, you gotta wait until Thursday.
1: Oh uh, no, I'll, I'll straight <laughs> up, I'll blow up my own spot. I'll piss everyone off uh, at Goodwill by just blowing up the spot because, honestly, uh, two things: one more people need to be uh, using secondhand materials. So like uh, even if it's to my detriment, because you got the piece I would have sold uh, at the end of the day, it's being worn on a person and therefore mission accomplished, you know? And two, I just don't think you can do is what I can do in that space. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I'm confident in my abilities to find things and stuff like that. And so uh, that being the case, uh, it's the Hamden, outlet on State Street. That, that's the spot. It's by weight.
0: No? Is that a counterweight? No, it's... Uh, <laughs> no. no, it's... What is... It's No Worries Brewery over there? can't remember. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's right over there. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, I, But all that to say, right, is that you know, this work is so important. And so remember, I think it was this week, right, we were just chatting it up and you know, I think, you know, like, do you feel there's a town and gown relationship? And do you feel like there's a, I don't know, there are sometimes I wonder, ponder, how much space there is for New Haveners versus New Haveners affiliated with Yale, right? And like What <laughs> yeah. that space looks like, how to
1: Right. Well, so, uh, so what, one thing that I think is important in that respect is that New Haven is not downtown. It's Best. not even, it's not even simply not Yale. New Haven's not downtown. Um, and most people who live in New Haven, their interaction with Yale is, it's like a name that owns property in the area and like, you know, sometimes interact with people who work at Yale, you know, but it's not, like in the, like in respect to town and gown, I just feel that Yale doesn't even do enough for the people of New Haven where they can turn to the, where they can turn to Yale and be like, man, like I want to be more a part of this or like, oh, I need to sort of uh, tailor my life around what's happening at Yale because it's so interesting or because it's so actually impactful to my life. It, It It's weird in that it's like, a settler, like it's like a colony within. You know, it's not it doesn't actually in interact with the neighborhoods of New Haven. And that's where, like, yes, big time in the respect of, I think generally what you're saying, like of town and gown, of like there's the inside crew and the people who know how to play the Yale game. Uh and then there's everybody else. But that everybody else live full awesome lives in New Haven and like Uh, y'all could be doing way more about you know making those lives better but i just like for example if let's say uh new haven had a football team okay like a national football team okay um and there would be the people who were related to that football team and then the people who weren't but (laughs) Everyone in New Haven who wasn't related to that football team would still love that football team, still talk about that football team all the time, still be interacted with it because the football team does provide something for the community in a way that they they want it in. They want to be more enfranchised. Yale doesn't do that at all, you know.
0: Not to be too doggish, but uh, to speak on the ball. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I feel that where I, you know, like I, I, I think there's an opportunity for more of us to be proud of the city, to be proud of the area, right? And, and as a Hamdenite, right? Like, I think one of the weird things I constantly think about is how much of my constituency is determined on New Haven, and and in some great extent to Quinnipiac and and Yale. And so for me, I'm always just like, how do we have that vibrant, like Fairhaven, for instance, is very insular in the sense that there's very, there's a lot of people who have their own businesses. There Mm -hmm. is generational wealth. There's generational connection that like, I don't feel there's that same thing with like right new hall had winchester and when winchester left Mm -hmm. right that identity of the neighborhood that capital left and then it's just like okay well now we all have to figure out right and 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 looking at the data
1: well so i mean i feel like i'm not speaking literally on New Haven's history when I say this. Um, so I, I want to be careful not to like uh, sort of project a, a history that may not be there in New Haven, but just like in a larger sense, uh, black people have been uh, oppressed. They have not been allowed to be business owners in that sense, have not been allowed to move into the areas that they wanted to move into. Uh, one of my friend's dad's uh, or sorry, grandfather uh, bought a house on Winchester Uh, he was a black man. He owned a a bar in Hamden Uh, and every one of his tenants moved out because they didn't want a black landlord. And so like in terms of, it's like moving forward, maybe we can have more faith that that kind of interaction is not going to be the one, you know? So it's like, it's not, I don't think it's that, you know, necessarily the black community in New Haven was ever doing anything wrong. Mm. You know, it's that we have a system that has waged war on it. And so it's just when you're constantly in a state of, yeah, war, you, you don't get to build businesses and have, you know, uh, the same sort of generational, um, community protections. And like, that's where, uh, there there certainly are multi generational um, Black families in New Haven who you know have been here for a very very long time, um, but yeah, like that doesn't mean also that they haven't too been persecuted in, in various ways, and that you know, like it does, yeah, you know, it doesn't mean they haven't hit their glass ceiling in various uh, ways either.
0: What does the future of downtown look like like what would that i would say the beloved community right like what is that vision that brings all of us together and living our best lives? like what what does that look like for nate Blair?
1: oh uh yeah so uh (laughs) i rant a lot um my my girlfriend has to deal with that a lot and in those rants, um, I often su- supplant uh, uh, the if I could, is uh, if I was uh, the supreme ruler of uh, New Haven or the supreme ruler of Connecticut, which is a very dangerous way to think <laughs> about things. Authoritarianism is bad, folks. But yeah. just for uh, the sake of dreaming, uh, I would love for New Haven to spend more interest and time on having designated bus lanes than designated bike lanes. Uh, I just think that uh, public transit and bus transit would like, is super important. Having buses that run on time is super important. Uh, I think that like the statistics around bicycles are a bit conceited because it already just implies a failing public transit in- infrastructure. Like, uh like the fact that of how many people ride bicycles in big cities and need bicycles in order to get to their jobs, it's like, yeah, if the bus ran on time, they wouldn't take a bicycle. Like it'd be worth their money. You know, like it, when you have to travel a long distance, if we're talking about people who are commuting on bicycles hours, hours a day, hours, plural. It's because the buses are not reliable. You know, it's because, and so like in that respect, I just, uh, I would love, downtown to be like walking only and public transit and then uh yeah we should have bicycle lanes i'm not saying we should i'm just saying uh it's completely missing the point public mm-hmm. transit is the point
0: no I, I as one who often right i mm-hmm. everyone y'all were all laughing when i came into the studio all ponchoed up on one wheel and it's just like cool to your point if i could catch a reliable bus and be like cool if i leave at this time i'm gonna get here by this time to right yeah golden but if it's like yeah i'm waiting 20 minutes god forbid train. if you
1: need a transfer
0: right right and so yeah that yeah. sounds like the beloved community to me <laughs> sorry i'm like that's the blue right like Reliable transit—that's the beloved community. Um, I, as, as someone who moves around, right? Um, I guess I'll ask this question first. Um, you, you have been known to be in the Wooster community, right?
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> you can put it like that. Sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. And one of those things about communities changing and things changing, right, was like the Columbus statue coming down. And it was just one of those moments where so much was going on, right? George Floyd protests, all these other things. And then this conversation about this statue and then the conversation of like, what replaces it or what goes there? And so Mm -hmm. as someone was intimately part of the conversation that's funny
1: uh i will say yeah I, i've lived in the worcester neighborhood now for i think seven years uh, uh which unfortunately um makes me one of the like on uh, like on worcester street the street i live on it makes me like one of the sort of older residents like there's a there's a, like like condos and like those people uh have been there for a while, like sort of halfway down the street, but it's interesting because uh growing up, I used to think of Worcester as one of the most tight knit uh like communities that you know wasn't going anywhere, you know, and mm-hmm. meanwhile yeah i mean i I have all sorts of ideas about why that happened um it, the main one being like being ghettoized is how often those communities come to get that solidified. And then when you get enfranchised into whiteness, you don't need to be ghettoized anymore. And like, when you're enfranchised into whiteness, like, you aren't limited by Italian this, that, or the other. You, you know, can live wherever you want, you know? And so uh, I feel like, yeah, over a couple generations of that, people just, yeah, they didn't want to live in an Italian ghetto that their, their grandparents grew up in, you know, it sounds fanciful, but it does like, that's not, that wasn't their experience of that space, you know? And that's where, uh, like, yeah, it's fascinating just, yeah. How things change in that respect, you know? Um, and so like, there's still people who live in the neighborhood who have been there, you know, a very long time. Um, and like, you know, multi-generationally. Um but yeah uh I feel like that connection has actually a lot of that has moved out of New Haven uh in terms of the uh Italian heritage of the neighborhood. Um and like things changed. <laughs> you know uh, uh I think the Columbus statue coming down in particular was a no-brainer.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: I, I actually don't uh, think it's controversial at all, um, because that neighborhood, uh, so uh, the way I describe that neighborhood to people who aren't familiar is like in the early 2000s, I would have seen that that was a sundown town, mm. like, like you would like in the 90s early to, you would not be black in that neighborhood after dark. Like that's how I saw the Worcester neighborhood growing up. So the fact that I can live there, <laughs> the fact that I walk around barefoot at night, like, like, that speaks to how much the neighborhood has just radically changed, and so, like, uh, the idea of the statue coming down, to me, if the only people that was surprising to you were the Italian- Americans who had moved out of the, in New Haven, and they're like, "Wait what? The neighborhood changed?"
0: I go there every weekend. to get food.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: Um as we are nearing our, our time, um, I guess one of the things I always love to ask guests when they come is just like, what's a song that, that speaks to you as an individual or something that like reminds you of New Haven, right? Because I...
1: Uh, sure. I mean, so in terms of uh, riffing off the, the Town and Gown, um feels of New Haven. Uh I think it's just important to remember that sort of uh New Haven is kind of a in some ways one of the cradles of uh liberalism and liberalism in action. Uh and that it's important to know the difference between sort of leftist action and liberal action. So uh I would say the song Love Me, I'm a Liberal by Phil Oakes. <laughs> uh is uh just a beautiful sort of dig at the gown.
0: No, that 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 um, I don't know what it is. Like mamas and papas, like is something that I always think of like as soon as I hit Broadway, like that is just
1: uh, I mean, there are a <laughs> lot of songs that can speak to New Haven and I had a few in my head. Uh, oh, but, but, but that one, yeah, after the Town and Gown conversation, yeah, that one.
0: Nate, where can people find you? Where where can they connect with you? How can they
1: work yeah, with um, you? I'm totally an in-person person. Yeah. Um, that being the case, uh, you know, I'm outside uh, coffee every Saturday. Uh, yeah. I have my pop-up there. Uh, otherwise, you can reach me at Nate Blair himself uh, on Instagram.
0: Thank you uh, for connecting with us today on Just in Time Conversations, WNH FM 103.5. Thank you to our guests, Nate Blair. Thank you. Entrepreneur. entrepreneur. Um, this is Justin Farmer. And until next time, let us continue to plant the point of season change.
2: Touch the hand i